Virginia. What a play. Wise makes a catch. What a play by Wise. Mercy. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kingdom City, reclaiming sports for Christ and his kingdom. On this week's episode, the Stars and Stripes become falling stars in New Zealand. The NCAA football Pac-12 is dead. The NFL is back, and Tim Anderson teaches us how not to fight in baseball. All this and more on Kingdom City. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Kingdom City. My name is Ross Harris, joined, as always, by my partner in crime and someone who did not get up at 4.30 in the morning to watch the U.S. women play, Gideon Beeler. Gideon, how are you? I'm doing well, Ross. How are you? I am great. We had a good dinner. We had a great time as a family now together. And we have so much happening in the world of sports, as always. It seems like a revolving door of news continually coming in and out. Of, that's why we do this. That's why we do this. <laughs> People need to know what's going on because we, sports aren't just something that we love, but sports are something that we're trying to reclaim. Right. And... Inf- keep people informed because people should care about this for sure because this is relevant issues of our day now something huge happened in the women's world cup and it's so big that that we actually are leading with it yeah on this podcast so yeah. the the u.s women's team have been famous for crying for equal pay crying for trying to make as much money as the men do, despite the fact that their tournaments bring in fractions of the money. Despite the fact that they have to buy tickets to get to make the seats look full. Despite the fact that businesses have to give away tickets mm. to people to put butts in the seats. That's what I mean, yeah. Despite the fact that we're having trouble, they're airing the games in New Zealand and Australia, which is like a 14-hour difference here. So we're having to get up at... Two in the morning, four in the morning, just to catch games over here in the States where the biggest women's team in the world plays. So just feminism at its best, you know, ultimately not great planning by FIFA to get this done, (laughs) but something big happened here. Now, Gideon, I I know you haven't been following this and I don't blame you. Uh, This tournament, the U.S. was the favorite. I knew that at least I follow enough of sports to know that. Sports t- shows talk about this because it's relevant in the fact that the U.S. is the best. Right. So they're going to talk about that. Right. And the U.S. was the favorite, and they were not playing well. Like, they, they beat Vietnam like they were supposed to. But, I mean, like, of course they're going to beat Vietnam, even on a bad day. But then they had a lackluster performance against the Netherlands, which the Netherlands is a good team. But, the ne- like, they didn't score against the Netherlands. And then they had a final game group stage game against Portugal. Now, Portugal came centimeters of winning the game and knocking the U.S. out of the tournament in the group stage, Gideon. Now, the tournament has been going on since 1991, and the U.S. has never finished lower than third That's in this insane. tournament. They were about to finish outside of the top 16. Yeah. And in the 90th minute, Portugal's striker broke through the defense, took a shot on goal, and it hit the post. Mm. If Portugal scores that goal, the U.S. is out. Wow. Before the round of 16, even. So, fans everywhere were in uproar because, like, these guys are the favorites, 
These heavy guys are favorites, right? Heavy favorites. And, and two-time defending champs. Right. And these guys, these ladies, are crying about how they deserve to be paid more because they're the best. They deserve to be treated like the best. Okay. They just don't have to play like the best. They just don't have to play like the best. And so we we had a problem come up. And one of their former greats, Carly Lloyd, great midfielder, great captain, scored a hat trick in the World Cup final to, to beat Japan 5-2, a tournament or two back. That's and three goals in case you don't know what a hat three trick goals. is. And the, the, the final goal of her hat trick was scored from 45 yards away. She lobbed it over the keeper from 45 That's yards. crazy. Insane goal, insane performance by Carly Lloyd. Now, she was the heart and soul of this team for like 15 years. And a great player, consummate professional. And she is on the Fox Soccer uh, pregame panel okay. and postgame panel as the resident expert gotcha. of soccer. And she had this to say after that game because the U.S., the women, they were. This is after they beat Portugal. Portugal. This is after they tied Portugal. Tied Portugal. To, to survive. To advance. survive the group stage. Yeah, to survive in advance. Now, they're here dancing and celebrating and high-fiving, taking pictures with fans. Like, okay, you survived, you advanced. But it was, here, just listen to what, again, all-time great Carly Lloyd has to say. These are not the images we should be expecting to see from a team that survived Portugal and survived to get to the round of 16. What I, I appreciate them taking care of the fans, but let me tell you, Carly Lloyd's butt would be back in the locker room kicking things. Have, throwing things. I have never witnessed, and just seeing these images for the first time right now on the desk, I have never witnessed something like that. There's a difference between being respectful of the fans and saying hello to your family, but to be dancing, to be smiling. I mean, the player of the match was that post. You were lucky to not be going home right now. Oh, man. Scathing rebuke the, of the team. The player of the match was the post. She said, goodness. Okay, so people were, there were split opinions, Gideon, on what Carly Lloyd said, though. They were like, why are you being so hard on them? They won. The name of the game is Survive in Advance. AM610 was so f furious at Carly Lloyd for calling out the U.S. women for playing the way they did. Mm. Because it's like, you know what? The name of the game is just everyone has a bump in the road on their way to glory. They, they got it done. This was their bump in the road. Now, I would agree with that if this was the one game. But like I said, they had not played great all tournament. How many goals did they score to all group stage? Wasn't it? Three. Yeah. It was the whole all, throughout, across all the games. Right. Like, that's not a good way to set yourself up to go win when it's single elimination. Right. You need to score. And it's funny that we talk about how scoring is you need to score to advance. And you need to score well to advance. And the U.S. is better than a 0-0 draw. <laughs> against Portugal in basically a must-win game. So then came the game Sunday morning. I actually woke up, Gideon, at 4.30 to watch this game. I woke up early because I wanted Respect. to see... I wanted to see, okay, you know, Sweden is actually a good opponent for this team. Was the U.S. just playing badly, or are they just... Are, is the rest of the world catching up to the U.S.? That's, that's what I wanted to see for myself. So Sweden has historically proved to be a difficult matchup for the U.S. just because they are physically imposing. They're a tall group of people over there. In They're Vikings. They're Vikings. And they can physically... Most teams lose to the U.S. because they can't physically match up with them. Mm. The Sweden can't. 
Sweden can get it done, and they have talent. In terms players. of like their physicality in the game, Ross, they're, or they're, like their speed and athleticism, what do you mean by it's that? It's their height. It's their build. They're they're stronger. They're tougher, and they actually like bad boys. Pistons throw them throw their weight around. So they'll physically dominate. They, they're the they're the muck the game up guys, and they they have a distinct style of play, which is play slowly, don't make stupid plays, and eventually the other team will mess up. That's how I play pickleball. Right. It's boring. <laughs> Not your pickleball, but this <laughs> soccer is boring. And I actually fell asleep midway through the second half watching this. Yeah, game. waking up at 4.30, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. and, but it's dull. It's boring. The game ended up being 0-0. And snooze fest. Snooze fest. After 90 minutes, it was 0-0. After extra time, 30 more minutes, it was 0-0. We go to penalty kicks. So, Russ, how many periods, how many minutes is that consecutive for them? So Without scoring a goal, because that's two games they that went, they did not score a goal. The U.S. went 238 minutes without scoring a goal. That is embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Unacceptable, especially for a team that is the favorite, supposed to be number one in the world. Right. Unacceptable. So then they go to penalties, and it's 3-2 to two right now in favor of the U.S. Remember, they each team has five kickers, five penalty kickers. The U.S. is up 3-2. to two. And they are kicking first. So they're about to take their fourth penalty kick. This will put them up four to two if this goes in. And get, and who Which would mean that the other team would have to make... All of them. All of them in order to win. In order to tie at best. Because it would be four to two with two kicks remaining for Sweden and one left for the U.S. So the U, if, if, if the next U.S. kicker takes this, who is Megan Rapino, mm-hmm. Sweden's best hope is a tie gotcha. from here on. Okay. So Megan Rapino steps up to the penalty spot, and let's just hear what happens with this. Rapino right puts it over the bar. It stays three-two. Rapino puts it into the food court. <laughs> Over the bar. She hit a home run, dude. If she was playing baseball, <laughs> that was a dinger. <laughs> she never even tested the keeper. Didn't even hit the frame at all. Like I said, put it closer to the Bud Light salesman <laughs> in New Zealand. And may- maybe hit the... A fan maybe, took one to the face. <laughs> maybe hit the Dippin' Dots guy on the way out. <laughs> but, so again, this was w- the, the biggest, voc- most vocal, loudest proponent of the equal pay crowd. And here she goes putting it into row Z. And in, in time to earn time to earn. that pay. Right. Exactly. Earn your wages. So, and then when she misses it, she just has this grin on her face, this smirk. Now, I get like sometimes you just have to, you're playing so badly, you have to laugh. Okay. Right. And I get that. So I'm not going to read too much into the grin of all this. I know a lot of people want to. I'm not going to just because I get it. I've been there. When uh, you make that kind of play. But then, so the penalties went uh, went to 4-4 total. They were still tied after five kicks. Wow. Sophia Smith missed one. Um, I forget the last U.S. kicker who missed one. But the U.S. missed their seventh penalty kick. And now Sweden steps up, still tied at four, to win the game. And here's what happened. Sweden can win on this kick. Lena Hurtick, if she scores, Sweden wins. The U.S. is out. If not, another round of penalties. 
Hurting. Off there. Did it go in? Waiting on a signal. No. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> well, they're waiting. They're going to check. VAR can intervene. I couldn't tell from here. I thought it was going in. But it happened so quickly. Wow. Sweden wins. Okay. So Sweden won. Very controversial goal at first. Because if you... You can't tell from the, the audio clip, but... Uh, Sweden's kicker Hertig, she she takes the ball, she strikes the ball, and U.S. goalkeeper Anher, who had played a great game and had a great tournament, the U.S. goalkeeper even scored her own penalty kick that she took <laughs> earlier, doing something that her outfield players couldn't do, and she saved Anher saves the penalty kick at first, but the ball continues to fly towards the goal, and Anher. Claws the ball out of the goal, and there's no call on whether it's a goal or not. They can't tell. And Onher's there walking around yelling, no chance, no chance, no goal. And no one knows. So there's this pause in the action now. And everyone is standing there waiting with bated breath to figure out what's going to happen. Because a rule of penalty shootouts, actually, I just caught this remembering, uh, just catching this from the video. VAR cannot intervene during shootouts. So they had to go to the goal line technology of the ball to determine whether the ball crossed the line or not. And Gideon, I showed you a screenshot of this mm, yeah. earlier. The ball crossed the goal line by a millimeter. Like, you, yeah, you can barely tell. An almost indiscernible amount of space. To the naked eye, almost indiscernible for sure. So the U.S. lost in a comedic way for this favorite to go down. A great miss by Rapino, a, a huge miss, and then a barely scraped over goal Yep, but to put them away. A barely scraped over goal counts just as much as one that hits the back of the net. <laughs> and in the words of uh, Magic Johnson, they all count as one. Yeah. And then you had Rapino, who was interviewed after the game, talking about her penalty miss against the U against Sweden. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and there's just some some dark, dark comedy and me missing a penalty in my last game ever, so, yeah. Because yeah, I was saying with the smile, I mean, was that just pretty much a message that that's football, that's life, things happen? I mean, that's a sick joke. That's just like, yeah, I mean, that's a sick joke. I just, I can't believe it. I just, like, I never even, I never even hit them over ever when they're saved, so, yeah. I mean, that's just how it goes. So, it's just a dark comedy, Gideon. It's just a sick joke. Just a sick joke. Yeah, is that what, so... What would you say if you were the reporter? If I was there? interviewing her, Ross, and she said that someone's, especially knowing her beliefs, if some, someone's playing a sick joke on her, I would simply ask her, really, who's playing the joke? That to which she'd probably say, oh, <laughs> the universe. The universe, Gideon. Oh, so you mean God. <laughs> right. Well, it made me think, Gideon. You know, Proverbs, God opposes the proud, yep. but gives grace to the humble. For sure. And when she was also asked later, like, okay, Megan, what would you say your greatest legacy is as a player, as, as, as part of this team? Now, keep in mind, we're talking about a player who won two Women's World Cups, won multiple Player of the Year awards, was a fantastic player. 
Yeah. In her like great she, soccer player. I'm not going to take away from that. She was a fantastic athlete and player. But what does she say to that question? Um, the equal pay stuff. Our fight for equal pay. That was the, my greatest achievement as a player. Which, one, you didn't get equal pay. <laughs> you didn't achieve anything. <laughs> Two, the U.S. gets paid exorbitantly more than the other women's teams. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. And the men's World Cup still makes buckets more or more money for their tournaments. So you accomplish nothing. The equality thing is a joke. It's like, like you mentioned, she wants equal play, equal pay. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants equality when you're the one going up, mm-hmm. not the one going down. Right. Suddenly when, if someone was to say, well, Megan, you know, why don't you just share the wealth and all the money you get from the World Cup share with all the other countries who aren't making near as much as you? <laughs> whoa, whoa, now. Mm-hmm. That's my money, though. Mm-hmm. And I worked hard to fight for this equal pay. Mm-hmm. And oh, she it's not has, really equal, is it? She has gotten very wealthy on her talent, but on riding the coattails of a country that she hates and disdains. Right. And that's what's disgusting yeah. about all this. So, Gideon, I have prepared something. Mm. For this, I have prepared a a, uh, a song <laughs> to bid for real to bid Megan Rapino and the equal pay generation a fond farewell oh. to this World Cup. I hope it. I hope the whole yeah. Let's so, hear it. So this is gonna I, be great. I am going to. Enli- Are you going to sing this live or is it a recording? Li- no, oh yes, I am going to enlist though the U.S. national anthem instrumental mm. okay are we ready so this is a to the u.s national anthem this is to the u.s national anthem this is in memory of their tournament run okay at this world cup in okay new zealand and australia let's hear it here we go oh say we did see on tv's early light what so poorly she sailed toward the stadium's mezzanine who's brought tripe and slight stars through the scurrilous fight or the pre-games we watched were so blatantly streaming and rapino's blue hair no goal scored over there gave proof through the night that no one ever cared oh say does that star-spangled roster yet fail or the land of the kiwi and the home of the reef. Wow. That was amazing, Ross. Honestly, you sounded great. I'm going to be honest. You hit those notes. When you went high there, I was like, ooh. Thank you. Is that Usher? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the DJ did have us falling in love again. <laughs> the, okay, so Megan. I bid you adieu. Yes. Enjoy that parting masterpiece. What, yeah. What a send off. <laughs> <laughs> Very few get that. <laughs> so anyway, 
that's all we have to talk about with the Women's World Cup for now. For We'll get back to that a little bit later because some other great games did happen where goals were actually scored. Whoa. We'll get to those later, though. That's how soccer is played, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> speaking of great soccer, the English soccer season kicks off, kicked off officially yesterday. The it one is, that just ended? The one that ended last uh, May. It ended in May. Yes, and now yeah. it's kicked off. The English season has officially begun. In August. Yes. So there's two months where they don't play. Basically, yes. What? Not basically. <laughs> when, when there's not a World Cup, yes. Wow. <laughs> because then they play through the World Cup and then go right back into mm. it. Okay. So Arsenal played Manchester City in the Community Shield match. The Community Shield is the annual kickoff the season game that's held between the winners of last year's English League and the winner of the FA Cup from the previous season. So the winner of the league plays the winner of the FA Cup in the Community Shield match to start off every new season. There's a problem, though. Manchester City won the league and the FA Cup last season. So, so A team plays B team? So the, the winner of the Premier League plays the second place team in the Premier League now since one team won both of them. Mm. So Arsenal defeated Manchester City on penalties to capture the Community Shield for the 16th time in their history. Manchester City took an early lead through Cole Palmer's goal in the 77th minute, a great, beautiful left-footed curler from the penalty box. But then Leandro Trossard scored a goal in the 90th plus 11th minute. So for those of you keeping track at home, that's the 101st minute of regular play. Now, Gideon, you might be asking, why the heck were 11 minutes added on to this game? I will tell you. So there is a statistic captured about soccer last year. So a game is 90 minutes long, Gideon. How long do you think the ball is usually in play and, like, the game is happening? For uh, out of the 90 minutes? Mm-hmm. Mm, 80. 52 minutes. They, wow. They realize That's on, embarrassing. On average. Yeah, it's really poor. So what... Because the, there's no... The clock never stops in the soccer? The clock never stops. So what they decided to do was every time there is a goal scored... Every time there is like a throw in, every time there's a sub, every time a player is like visibly wasting time and like when they have a lead trying to run the clock out, like uh-huh. faking an injury, the reps have been instructed to add time for all of those things. Uh, to uh, At their discretion? At their discretion. What's so, the maximum amount of time they can add? Well, the maximum time in ever that has been added, I believe, is 48 minutes. Oh, my goodness. That referee got his license revoked after that game. Wow. I think that, I don't know, it wasn't a, like a major league that it happened in, but that, that has not happened ever again. Um, so, there was eight minutes of stoppage time added to this game. And then, it was one to nothing Manchester City, and Man- there was an injury during the stoppage time that lasted three minutes. So the referee added three more minutes to the game. They played to ele- they played to the eleventh minute of stoppage time, and Arsenal scored with a minute and a half to go in the game. Wow! Um, and then they they, they stayed uh, they, in the Community Shield match. They don't go to extra time after that if it's still tied. They just go straight to penalty kicks. Okay. Because they don't want people to get hurt before the season starts. Right. And stuff like that. And Arsenal ended up winning five four on penalties in that game. Wow! So they capture the trophy and. Uh, just like last year, though, Liverpool beat Manchester City in the Community Shield, but then City would go on to win the title. So is this a, um, a prelude? precursor to what's going to happen? We shall see. 
Speaking of City, though, we have some transfer news because City has signed the Leipzig star defender Josko Gvardiol, who had a great World Cup, had a great season in the German League, in the Bundesliga, but he signed for... The, the, the fee is undisclosed that they bought him for, but it's around $100 million for this defender. Out of how many years? Um, I think it's like a four-year contract. That's good money. Yeah. Well, he's a... So here's where I'm torn on. He's a great defender, but the team he played on gave up a lot of goals last season. So, but he's also 21 years old only. Oh wow! So we'll see how that. How he's he a star. Out. Yeah, but Guardiola, the manager of Manchester City, he has a habit of turning good players into superstar players. So what he can do with an already good player, we'll see what he can wow. turn him into. So Man City's the best. They're in the, the top League. team in England and right that, now. That's who has Holland. Erling Holland. Yeah, yeah. Now what, he's a forward. Yes. Yep. Yep. Now Manchester United, their neighbor, their their city rivals, have signed young starlet Rasmus Hoyland for an undisclosed fee. This kid is twenty years old from Denmark, but he is projected to be a incredible forward, incredible goal scorer. So is there is there kind of like a passing of the guard in soccer? Like we're seeing the next generation, mm-hmm. kind of like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning passing the guard to yeah Josh Allen yep. and those guys. Yeah. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Robert Lewandowski. Those great goal scorers are on the way out. And now these guys, like Holland. New superstars are on the rise. Mm -hmm. Hopefully Darwin Nunez for my Liverpool team. But yeah, these guys are coming in and starting to take over that torch. Bayern Munich winger Sadio Mane has departed for Saudi club Al Nassar to partner with Cristiano Ronaldo after just one season with the German Giants. And then Manchester City... I explained this rule, but he was he was actually furious over the new timing rules. He hated the, how the new clock management works, but he especially hates it because his team is very good at keeping the game short. How new is the rule? This year. This the season. adding of the time? Yeah, this season. This previous season was the first season that's ever happened? Oh, no, no. This, no, this coming season. They just started it now. I thought you said that they've already added 48 minutes one time. I'm confused. Uh, but th- that was that was because a, a ref added that before this timing rule. Oh, my goodness. So you could yeah. add time before? That yeah. was the thing? Yeah. You always added like 30 to 40 seconds for every substitution. But now they're increasing the amount of gotcha. you add time for. Yeah. Um, you also always added stuff for injuries. But the problem was people were faking injuries all the time. Mm. So It's kind of like an anti-flop rule. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So next, in the, going back to the Women's World Cup, the Oranje Leeuwenen. Do you know what that means, Gideon? Absolutely not. The Orange Lionesses, so the Netherlands uh, women's team, they advanced to the quarterfinals with a 2 nothing win over South Africa. And then we go back to more Lionel Messi highlights. He's a superstar, man. Um, it's making me want to watch soccer. So I grossly underestimated how good he still is. After this season, like I understand he won the World Cup last year. I get it. I understand he's amazing. Great. But he was also playing in the French League and he there aren't really many eyes on the French League because it's not while it is a like power five league, so to speak, like the college conferences. Mm-hmm. It's there's really it's only like the one, Pac-12. Of the there's power really five. only one team that wins it every year, which is Paris, where he was playing. So a lot of people just didn't care. Paris Saint Germain. Um, yes, exactly. Nice job. So he's on Miami, and he. I now granted he's only he Inter Miami has only been around for two seasons, but he's already after four games the, in the top five of all time goal scores <laughs> for the club. 
Like that's how impressive he's playing. And Dude, he's on a tear. And kind of how anemic MLS forwards have been. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it? Is it? Is it that's what I was gonna ask you. Was is it making you realize how good Messi is or how garbage MLS so, is? Remember, or yes. <laughs> remember, I have said I don't watch MLS. Okay. Because they are. It's it's, it's not high. They're quality. not even power it's five. Not, now, here's my issue. What I'm worried about with how good Messi is. Why would I want to watch any MLS game that does not include Miami in it? Yeah. Because then you you automatically know you are getting the Aldi brand version of the product. <laughs> you're like, it, it, hey, don't 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 dog on Aldi. <laughs> you're right. Sorry. <laughs> you're getting the great value. There we version go. <laughs> of of the product. And now, granted, I will watch every game that Messi is in as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But like the thing is though, he's in the League's Cup right now. This doesn't even matter for the MLS season. This is for a completely different tournament. So how how much do the other teams care about this right now? And is Miami caring about this and playing their A squad and playing like balls to the wall hardcore in this tournament? Because they know this is probably the only silverware they're going to win all season. Maybe. Right? But so let's look at though what Messi is doing to get this done. Uh, just just listen to this, guys. And this is a game in Miami against Orlando, who is a good team. Inside. No stopping Lionel Messi! Still Robert Taylor. Floats it towards Joseph Martinez. Settles Messi! It's too easy. It's just too easy. That's how he makes it work for sure. It continues to go perfectly to the Inter Miami script. It's just, it's like, it's too easy, man. So I went to bed last night. I was, I was. Following the Inter Miami Dallas FC game, FC Dallas game, and Messi scored early, and they were up one nothing. But then Dallas came back and went up two to one. Miami, my Dallas scored again three to one. Miami scores three to two. Dallas scores again four to two, and it's like in the seventieth minute. I'm like, this game's over. I'm gonna go to bed. I want to be ready to attack the work week, and go. And so I even put in my notes, as I sent you our, our manifest of this, mm-hmm. uh, our itinerary for this episode, and I said, Lionel Messi continues to tear the League's Cup up, but falls to Dallas 4-2. to two. <laughs> And then I came and checked the score in the morning, and sure enough, Messi, uh, Inter- Miami scored two goals in the last 10 minutes to tie the game up, and then one on penalty kicks. Crazy. To advance to the round of uh, eight. Wow. In this tournament. Like... <sighs> The dude is just a marvel, and I just cannot believe, I can't believe how after all this time, how far behind MLS is compared to the world. It's, it's just it's shocking to me. Yeah. I mean, but it was really cool seeing him. He's, like, playing hard. Like, he's trying, or else he wouldn't be scoring these goals, right? Like, he's old, and, and you'd think he'd come here and just, like, collect a paycheck and mm-hmm. maybe not do great, but he's, like... He's loving it. And what, he, yeah. he sees a trophy that can be had, and he yeah. wants to put it in his case. And that's what amazes me, though, is it seems like his teammates are have meshed with him perfectly, All right, which doesn't always happen with international players. Often the international players come here, and they struggle to mesh because it's two different styles of play. Hmm. Well, this just shows the brilliance of Messi, how he can adapt to the style and make the other players adapt to his style overnight. 
It's kind of like putting Kevin Durant on any team. It's like, oh, he's he's just going to immediately work. Right. And, and like, I, yes, he's a big part of it also. But like your Sergio Busquets as well, a guy who he's played with since he was like a teenager. And Jordi Alba, again, a guy that Messi has played with since they were teenagers over in Europe. So like these are guys that have played together. So you have three engines that are all making this machine work together perfectly. And I just I can't wait to see what they do when the MLS season resumes. And they get back to like, can they go on a tear and win every game in a row? If they do, who knows what can happen? I don't think they will. But I just, they look unstoppable right now. Right. So, soccer is awesome. That's the world. Uh, Friday, the Premier League kicks off officially. Premier League games kick off officially. We had the Community Shield, but Premier League starts officially this Friday. I cannot wait. And when do those games, what do they air on? Uh, NBC and Peacock and USA. Uh, yeah, USA. So you can watch them on Peacock? Mm-hmm. All of them or just some of them? Or? They, they split between all of them. I'm pretty sure you can watch all of them on Peacock, though. And um, is it one game? Does it, is it like, how does that work? They play almost every game through those, between those three networks. But like, do, do, is there a league game every day? No, you know no. how like Super Bowl, or sorry, football Sundays? No, they go by match weeks. So it's like the kickoff is Friday. Typically the games are Saturday, Sunday. Oh, Weekends. Yep. Yep. Typically, unless there's like the Champions League games are Tuesday, Thursday. If there's one of those, then they, if they play on Tuesday, the team plays their English League game on Saturday. If their Champions League game was Wednesday, they play their game on Sunday to accommodate travel and mm. stuff like that. So um, that's how all that works. Uh, Manchester City is clearly the favorite going into this next season. But I'm hoping my Liverpool can give them a fight for the. And how many teams are in the Premier League? Twenty. Twenty. Yep. Top three, or sorry, the bottom three get relegated, relegated. to the to the lower division, and the next top three from the lower division get promoted. So. And how many divisions are there in England? So many, so many. Really? There are so many. Yeah. Wow. Because it's like Premier League, League Championship, League One, League Two, and then non. It's like baseball. Right, and then non-league play is like all of England. Oh man, majors, triple A, double A, yeah. single A, pub teams, church league, stuff <laughs> church like league. That. Yeah, <laughs> they all are considered part of it. Wow. So it's kind of neat, honestly. Um, but yeah, so that's your soccer highlights, Gideon. We have to talk about college athletics. Yeah, because this is big news. Pac-12 is dead. It's. I mean, essentially, there's what four teams left. Yeah. Stanford. Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. Yeah. So what's going on? What's like we've been we've t- we had conference realignment before, mm-hmm. but like not like this, not like this. So what's happening? At least not that I can remember. Right, where a conference straight up dies mm-hmm. uh, that's been around for what hundred years? A long time. And like we would get it to understand back in the day that stuff would change because like it's in its infancy. Yeah, people figure out how to fix things, but now we're like we're in the grind. We're in the nitty gritty of this. Like we've we've had an established system, and now someone's just like. Well, we also really like money. You know, this is a good reminder of for us uh, Americans who just think that we live in this perfect, you know, like utopian world and and that America will never is the greatest thing to ever touch planet Earth and that it'll never go away. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever thought that growing up, but like growing up in school, like I just thought like, oh, that's like America. Like, oh, yeah, Rome fell. They made mistakes. But like America's perfect. America's you know? God's chosen nation. Right. Right. And, like, if anything, this is just a reminder that, like, kingdoms fall. Yes. No matter how long they've been standing for, kingdoms fall. Right. Even when you think in your time 
There's no way. There's too much money. There's too much power. They fall. Basically, the Pac-12 didn't up a TV, get a new TV deal, and the schools said, "Deuces, mm-hmm. we're out of here." And USC and UCLA had already decided. You're talking about the normal conference realignment. Yeah. USC and UCLA had already decided to move to the Big Ten, which is huge. Which are they're the big ticket teams of the Pac-12 for sure, um, especially on the football side. Right. USC's got Lincoln Riley now. UCLA's been you know a consistent. Top twenty-five team. I feel like they they've been playing pretty good football. And a big basketball school. And a big basketball school, historic basketball. John Wooden. School. To Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Bill Walton. Um. Yeah. Lots. It's crazy. So. Um. Yeah. Those two schools were already scheduled to move. Just in normal conference realignment, like how Texas left the Big Twelve. Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC, right? Colorado was already scheduled to go. The Pac-12. Leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Twelve. Back to the Big Twelve. Now that they got uh, prime time, mm-hmm. yep. Neon Sanders, yep. um, then this TV deal fell through, or they didn't. I I don't I don't understand all of the logistics of how those negotiations went. What happened? Um, I don't know if anyone does at this point because we're still kind of early on in this. Like this story is pretty pretty new. In the last couple of days, it's it like accelerated really really fast. You know what I'm saying? Right. This came out of nowhere. Like no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. No one really knows the. De- I think the details will. Co- the more specific details will come out, um, in maybe the next week or two. I would think where we know like, oh, here's what happened. Um, so Oregon and Washington, um, they're taking partial shares to join the Big Ten. Right. Um, which they're now. taking a hit. Yeah. To join the Big Ten. A temporary hit, a right? Temporary it's hit, it's yeah. gonna be a temporary hit. So yeah. like basically like think about it like this if you're listening like. Oh, the Pac-12 is like, hey, we'll give you thirty million dollars, you know, a year to play in this conference based off the TV deals and all, all the other things that bring in money. Right. And then another conference is like, yeah, you could stay there or you can come make ninety million here, but you got to take, you know, twenty-eight for the first year or two, mm-hmm. whatever. Hmm. Let me figure out <laughs> if I want to do that one. What hmm. would you do? Right. Kenny? Exactly. <laughs> like this isn't. Rockets, rocket surgery here. Yes. So brain science. Right. Uh, and so Oregon and Washington, and those are huge schools for college football. Yep. Those are the two biggest, mm-hmm. um, honestly, programs for college football on the West Coast. They, I mean, Oregon's huge. Washington, Washington's DBU. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. can you name all the like Trent McDuffie, right? Uh, Marcus Peters. Uh, who else? Those are just Chiefs that are dra- that are drafted first round out of that university. Yeah, there's uh, Washington is like the LSU of the West for defensive backs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just they just crank them out. LSU cranks out wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Oregon's Justin Herbert, Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. um, they uh, Kayvon Thibodeau went to Oregon. Yep. The, the pass rusher from the Giants that was drafted top five, like good, p- powerful school. That, that's mm-hmm. that, I mean they've played in. They played in a college football playoff already. Yeah. So that hasn't been going on for a long time. I think they now played they for joined a the big in 2010 now, and 2014. Yeah. yeah. Now they join the Big Ten, right? So, I mean, the Big Ten just got these these other power conferences just got even juicier and bigger. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the travel because right normally the Pac-12 is West Coast, so you're going right. to stay on the West Coast, stay in the same time zone. Mm-hmm. But now if you you know you're going to Big Ten, so you've got you've got. Oregon going to go play Penn State 
Like right. that's a three hour difference right. in time zone, right? Rivals with Rutgers in New Jersey. <laughs> right. So that, that'll be interesting kind of to see how that affects um, maybe the product mm-hmm. that is being put on TV. But really this is, this is all about a TV, TV show, right? Mm-hmm. About ratings, about viewership. And these big schools are going to bring in big money when they play each other each year, right? Yeah. When Oregon's playing Ohio State and Michigan and Washington is playing Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State, they're going to be huge games mm-hmm. that make a lot of money, right? And this this has changed the landscape of college sports. Yeah, so, I'm I'm interested to see because and it's going to be at the same time that we're transitioning to a 12 team right playoff as well exactly um and so that that you got to expect to then expand to 16 maybe even 24 after shortly after that i would think and we're going to have kind of like a march madness almost thing kind of shorten the regular season right and then have this single mission i hope they don't single mission term i'm wondering if maybe they're going to have kind of like a college basketball like because the big 10 now doesn't have divisions anymore right now that this i mean now that there's this many teams in it. Um, so I wonder if they're going to have some sort of like, ter- even like a, like conference tournament. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, you think they would just separate into a, like a big 10 East and big 10 West. With yeah. The way things but are they're going. not, but they can't, but they're not going to do that. So, but this is what I'm interested to find out is, are you going to, cause I think, wouldn't that be cool Ross? you think for like big 10 sec and big 12 to have like their own little four team tournament. That would be cool to, because right now it's just you have the divisions and then whoever has mm-hmm. the best record in that division mm-hmm. plays in the in the um, championship game. Yeah, and that's the week before the playoffs start in the bowl games. Right. Um, so I mean, you might have little little tournaments inside the inside the specific conferences um, to kind of determine where your final seating is for the twelve team national tournament. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's ultimately going to be good. For college football, maybe, you know, people are always scared of change, especially the oldies are just like, this is the way it's always been, so this is what's best. <laughs> but I think it'll be good. It'll be cool to see see how things change. Um, maybe see, obviously, we're going to see new rivalries, like new things develop in our lifetimes that maybe when we're, right, when we're 60, 70, 80 years old, we're going to be telling our grand slash great grandkids about, I remember when the Pac-12 died. Mm-hmm. You don't even know what the Pac-12 is, but... Yep. It died, and now the way that things work is because of what happened then, you know? When we watched highlights of the 2005 Rose Bowl between <laughs> USC and Texas, right. we said, well, this is the Pac-12 champion versus the Big 12 champion. And they're like, what are those things? What are those? <laughs> now we have the Big 32. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So we have the my, Big 10 and the SEC. That's it. My the Big 32. <laughs> one of my big questions is you have, like, super established colleges like Stanford with all that money they have, too. And... Like, where are they going to go? Because they're not just going to sit. Someone's got to pick them up, I would think. Someone Or like Notre Dame. Are they finally going to become conference? Are they finally going to join a conference? Are they going to stay independent? The, the, with their own TV, they have their own TV right. deal. They have their own like network. It'd be hard to get them to. Notre Dame itself is almost a conference. Yeah, in terms of like m- revenue, like yeah. right? They're not sharing any of that with anyone. Yeah. So you're going to have to pitch them more money than what they're making by themselves. Right. right. And so that, I mean, maybe we might see that after kind of the, the flows of money get established and mm-hmm. these things have been around for a couple of years and they're like, okay, now we know exactly what to expect. So we bring you in when we brought in these other teams, 
right? We saw a 5% revenue increase. And so if we project that when you join in, you'll be making more money than you are now. If you're on this, you know how the, all that stuff works. Right. Um, or you, I'm sure you can, ima- I, I don't know how it all works, but I can imagine, you know, you show me that I'm going to be making money over mm-hmm. time and I'll sign the paper. Right. Is what I assume the schools, yeah. <laughs> the ADs are going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then, so we've got Oregon, Washington, like we said, going to the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are following Colorado to the Big 12. That is huge. Huge for college basketball. Yes. So the first Big Ten, the football conference got better, mm-hmm. right? Now this Big 12, not a great football product, especially now that Texas and Oklahoma left. Your two best football schools are gone, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the basketball... I mean, you already got uh, Houston that just joined going into this next season. We'll be in the Big Ten, Big 12 for basketball. Yep. And now Arizona added into that. I mean, the Big 12 the Big Twelve tournament is going to be better than the March Madness. Right. And there's no love lost between Arizona and KU even going into that because they have a history together yeah. of big games. It's going to be great. Yeah. Absolutely great. Maybe we'll get some challengers, either Houston or Arizona, to take down Kansas for the Big 12 title. Right. Um, then you got Oregon State, like we said, Oregon State, Washington, Cal, and Stanford are still in the Pac-12. Right. Now these don't go into effect until 2024, as far as I understand. Yeah. Um, so you still have the Pac-12 for one more year. Yeah. Now, this was a question that Dan Patrick asked people on his show, and I wanted to ask it to you: Is this good for college sports? This massive conference realignments. Why wouldn't it be? So, I'm torn. I don't know yet. I don't know how I feel. What would about make it, it bad? So the only thing I I would hate about it, let's say I'm a fan of USC. Like, you go you let's say you have to travel to Rutgers to play them. You almost have no hope of traveling. You 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 you're trying to establish. It's tough to establish new rivalries. It's kind of like when, um, and this is a, like a weird example, but like when you when you're welcoming in, when you're the freshman coming into a, a college for the first time. And you're like everyone else has relationships. Uh-huh. But you're the odd man out. Yeah. So now you're trying to establish this this history with people. Right. And it's like, man, I sure do love inside jokes. I hope to be a part of one. <laughs> and uh, I I don't know I don't know yet. So it's it's tough to build bad blood between fans or like history with them. So I'm hoping it goes smoothly. But but I think that would be harder if you're just like the Colorado. Yeah. Individually doing it, but when you see three to four teams coming in at once. Right. I think that'll make that a little bit easier. Yeah. Even if you just do that with it, you know, like the the three new kids That's true. that year become friends because mm-hmm. they relate on the fact that they're all new and experiencing the same things. Being lonely is fun. Right. Group. Maybe you have a new, maybe you have a new, uh, Oregon and Washington, but those, that's the thing is like Oregon, Washington, that's already a rivalry. Yeah. So you're like bringing that into, into the conference. That's a good point. Um, and then establishing, Arizona, Arizona State. How are you going to say Oregon versus Ohio State is not going to be good a good game to watch? Yeah. You're not going to be on your couch Saturday watching that game oh. because you're like, well, I just think this is bad for college football because I didn't like it. Right. Like, what do you mean, bro? The good thing is... The reason to do it is because it's going to make them money. The only way it makes them money is how? Joining the conference. No, how... They're doing it because it's going to make the money. They're not oh, stupid businessmen, right? Right. They're great games that everyone will want to watch. Because yeah. of people will watch them. Yeah. That's what makes the money is viewership. The TV right. networks is the biggest um, money that these conferences make. Right. Signing the contracts with the TV networks. So, the reason they're doing it is because more people are going to watch. Think about think about it like this, Ross. Yeah. West Coast, 
Think about all the stuff there is to do. Mm -hmm. All of the geography, mountains, beaches, where all these schools are located. Yeah. Mountains, beaches, tons of other things to do. Yeah. The spots that college football are huge is the South, right? Where it's like, what do you do on a Saturday? It's it's hot and boiling outside. I'm gonna sit on my couch, watch football. You know, just those old boys watching, playing, and watching Drink football. Drink a twisted tea, right? Watch some football. Woo, yeah. pig suey. Exactly, <laughs> right? Football season's in the winter, so you know, Big Ten. You got a lot of those Michigan, Ohio State, cold yeah. places where it's like, well, let's just go inside. Let's watch football. Like, there's not a lot of else to do, right? So yeah. that's where you get a lot of the viewership. Where on the West Coast, it's like, hey, do you want to watch the football game or go surfing on the beach? Right. I'll go surfing on the beach, dude. Yeah. So yeah, that's fair. it's just, that's where you're going to be getting any of your diehard fans. If you're USC, if you're UCLA, if you're Washington, the majority of the people that watch your product are going to continue to watch it. Right. Because the majority of them that watch it are like your de dedicated fans. Mm -hmm. You're just going to be adding a whole new demographic that never watched your games are now going to be watching your games. Right. And, and they're the ones that primarily watch football games. Right. So you're going to see a lot of kids in Alabama, you know, over the next 20 years that suddenly they want to go play at Oregon. Yeah. You're going to want to see Texas kids that want to go play at Washington. Mm -hmm. Right. It might even, it's going to, might even totally shake up recruiting. Right. Over, over a lifetime, right. Over a generation, mm -hmm. 20 years from now, you might see the, the recruiting shift because... That's that's the big thing with Colorado being added to the Big 12 is Coach Prime can now dip into Texas. He's now in there. He has an in. Mm -hmm. So, I, and I was just thinking, Oregon and Michigan actually have bad blood too because, remember, Oregon planted the Oregon flag on Michigan's field after they beat them years ago. <laughs> I remember that, that game. Yeah, vividly. Texas, high school football in Texas? Yeah. Huge. I don't know if you've ever been down to Texas and seen some of their high school football stadiums. I watched Friday Night Lights, and that's about it. But I, uh, I've been down in Texas, in Allen, Texas, where the largest, I saw with my own eyes, the largest high school football stadium. Yeah. It made college football stands look Jeez. embarrassing. Man. It was huge. Like, they love high school football in yeah. Texas. That's wild. So, uh, well, that's all we know right now for college football, We will, or college sports. We will update more as we learn more. But this is this stuff is just flying at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, at us right now we're all trying. to This catch is just. Up right. I, I'm just giving you quick updates. I'm yeah. like, ugh, this, this is, is what we know is happening. What we think we know. This is the tip of the iceberg, though, as far as this goes. And with that, let's move to the NFL because Gideon football is officially back. Woo! As of last Thursday, their Hall of Fame game happened. Did you watch it? Absolutely Neither not. Did I because we were both busy playing pickleball. Because who the heck wants to watch the third string Jets quarterback and the third string Browns quarterback throw a ball around on a high school? field where the lights went out in the third quarter and they didn't even have the water running for the shower in the locker rooms yeah <sighs> yes that was a sentence i actually said but the browns prevailed over the jets in the hall of fame game good stuff big takeaway from this though dorian thompson lewis or dorian thompson um what's his name dtr uh dorian thompson robinson robinson thank you the ucla quarterback who mm -hmm. was drafted by the browns yeah he was the big winner of that game so he definitely solidified his spot on the I roster think, on the 53 man roster with his performance that game. Um, Browns came back to beat the Jets. Um, but Gideon, the Hall of Fame game, it happens because this is when the Hall of Fame class is being inducted. Mm -hmm. And we had some 
some names from our generation that we remember mm-hmm. uh, growing up and some ones from the good old days. So the inductees this year were Rondé Barber, Don Coriel, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, Darrell Rivas, mm. Ken Riley, Joe Thomas, mm. Zach Thomas, no relation, and Demarcus Ware. Those last three names and Darrell Rivas, those are the names I know best. Rondé Barber? You know Rondé Barber? I, I know best. I knew I know Rondé Barber because I know Tiki Barber, but I, I remember watching Rondé win the Super Bowl in 2002 with the Bucks. But um, just because I remember seeing Joe Thomas get drafted and how highly touted he was as an offensive lineman. Like, I remember the guy. Killer. Was, I mean, the guy who played for garbage. The guy was one of the top, I think the top pick of that draft or something, or one of the top ones, but he was fishing <laughs> with his dad on draft day. He didn't even care about being there at the yeah. draft. Um, Zach Thomas, just a stalwart middle linebacker, like the ideal middle linebacker of the Brian Erlacher, the Ray Lewis mm-hmm. era of middle linebackers. And then Demarcus Ware, who is just a consummate professional on defense. Yeah. All time great pass rusher. Right. Um, and then you have and Don- then Darrell Revis. Right. Darrell Revis Island. Revis Island, all time. He only had, I think there were two games ever that he allowed more than 100 yards on a receiver in his entire career. Darrell Revis was so good that his interception numbers are bad right. because quarterbacks just never threw it towards him. Yeah, They, they were, never gave him a chance to try to intercept it. There were multiple games where quarterbacks did not throw to the receiver they never that he was marking. Targeted never him. targeted him. And which it, to me is the ultimate testament to his ability. Yeah, all-time great corner. And what I loved about him, we talk about this with the running back stuff, with how the running backs are struggling to get contracts. Darrell Rivas, by and large, took one- and two-year contracts his entire career. Every contract, he was betting on himself to be better than the previous season. There's one thing I will say about Darrell Rivas. Because I did see a little bit of the Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah. Him's fat. Is he really now? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's enjoying He's his let himself go a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he is enjoying his retirement. Um, another name that stood out was uh, Don Coriel. He was, the, he was the guy who laid the foundation of the greatest show on turf that Dick Vermeil ended up taking over on. But... Um, Kind of like Tony Dungy built the Buccaneers defense that John Gruden won a Super Bowl right, with. Exactly. So congratulations to these guys. Well deserved. Joe Thomas, an yeah. offensive lineman. The Golden Jacket, man. Yeah. That's legendary. You got you weeping if you get that. Joe Thomas's video when he received his jacket too was really cool. Like he his kids carried the box inside that was left on his porch and give it gave it to him. And he opened it. The ultimate metaphor of Joe Thomas's career was him opening his Hall of Fame jacket up on top of a trash can. <laughs> it was the perfect symbol of That's his entire epic. career. I love it. Um, let's move on to more off-season stuff. Uh, getting, Chris Jones has yet to agree to a contract extension. I uh, believe I believe he has hit the $500,000 mark for fines mm-hmm. this season. I would think he's past that. But he might yeah. be hitting the million point. I don't know. But the Chiefs now, though, are they're under further duress. As offseason signing Charles Amenahu has been suspended for six games following a domestic abuse lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Now that's sad. Yeah, exactly. And um, we men, hate to, we hate to see that. Men, don't put your hands on women. Like, come on, guys, let's not do this. Know what reason God gave you your strength? That's right. Um, we gave we're protectors. Um, our hands are to be used to protect the people in our lives and to build and to provide to N- protect and to provide, not to become breakers not to become destroyers um our enemy is a destroyer and we don't want to be like him we want to be like our father well there's some things that we need to destroy right so and we those things we will 
we always think we will. King Josiah had some destroying right. to do with his strength, but we never misuse it in, on the on a weaker vessel. Right. Exactly. Um, so the Saint, the Chiefs now they have to sign, they have to figure out this Chris Jones thing. Yeah, it worries me for our defensive line, but. Um, and we have we're still nursing guys back to health. You know what they say? In Veach we trust. In Veach we trust. Yes, in Veach we trust. He will figure it out. I expect Carlos Dunlap will be getting a phone call. Oh, that would be great. I would love that. That dude batted so many balls down. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, Saints running back Alvin Kamara has been suspended three games for a battery arrest that happened during the Pro Bowl week. That earlier one's, this this year. surprised me. Now I expected him to get way more punishment than so this. So I can only I only think the reason the game suspension is different is because Kamara was alleged was arrested for assaulting a man, whereas Amenahu was assaulting a woman. And I think with the whole going back to the whole Ray Rice issue yeah. back in the day and how the NFL got that pretty wrong. Initially. But there's a video of Alvin Kamara and his buddies, allegedly, alleged buddies, like beating the snot out of this guy. Right. And again, the only reason I can think of is because one is a man, one is a woman. But that violates the NFL's policies on transgender stuff and like pride stuff. Like, why would you treat this differently <laughs> as opposed to that other stuff? Yeah, shouldn't they be treated equally? Yeah, shouldn't they be treated equally? Or uh, Anyway. Uh, so that's what's going on with the Saints. The Saints are, are trying out um, Kareem Hunt. Last I saw, yeah, yeah, the, he had a. They have uh, they tra- they signed Jamal Williams. Yep, and so touchdown now, leader from last year. Yep, and now they're looking at uh, Kareem. And Hunt. they drafted a kid out of TCU. I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, I in the third round, he's yeah, good. I can't remember. Him he's really good. Um, more injury news. Kendra Miller, that's his name. There you go. Kendra Miller. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup injured his hamstring oh. in training camp last week and will face several weeks sidelined, Gideon. He's Bro, this is – I'm telling you, my fantasy team, I created a juggernaut. That's that's what I named my fantasy team, and now it's falling apart. And now you created a juggernaut? Yeah. Cooper Cup's injured. Jonathan Taylor's, you know, what's happening with him. have no updates on that. Right. Uh, I traded for J.K. Dobbins, and now he's in, like, a contract dispute, still on the pup list, not playing – I'm like, oh, no, what if none of my guys play? Thankfully, Saquon finally signed in his play. Right. Because <laughs> he's also on my team. Right. <laughs> uh, so, for those of you who we remember, Cup was sidelined most of last season with a season-ending ankle injury. And he was on he was on pace at the time to have another season like he did the previous year where he won Offensive Player of the Year. Right. The Rams just had – the Rams were just touched last year with the injury bug. Aaron Donald went down. They had they had down. the Super Bowl hangover after Cooper, winning the Super Bowl. Cooper Cup went down. I think Jalen Ramsey was down for a bit too. Um, they lost Von Miller. They lost Bobby Wagner. It was not good. It was it was all bad. They were bad. And uh, yeah, speaking the of the Lions, it, we're happy they sucked. Yes, because the Lions got their first round draft That's pick. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, speaking of injury bugs, um, this is really awful. Yes. Denver Broncos lost wide receiver Tim Patrick to what appears to be a season-ending Achilles injury. After he just came off an ACL tear. Yes. Um, so he, Clay Thompson in reverse. Right. So he's probably going to miss. A, he, he will miss a second. He, 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 he his football career is over. Yeah. Is what's the most likely? Yeah. So. No. Uh, and then to add insult to injury, Gideon wide receiver. Their second round pick. Wide receiver K.J. Hamler has been waived from the Broncos with a non-football illness designation due to a diagnosis of the heart condition pericarditis. Pericarditis is a swelling and irritation of the pericardium, a thin sac-like tissue surrounding the heart. 
He was experiencing chest pains before, which prompted him to get checked out. This happening to a very prime, healthy 21-year-old that I'm sure has nothing to do with anything else that ever happened in the last three years or so. For sure. Definitely. Now, they, they're going to release him, or they're waving him, wishing him the best, but now his career might be over. Supposedly, they're supposed to sign him back. Supposedly, but like the, the NFL doesn't take risks. There's no obligation. Right. There's no obligation. And if there's a chance that someone can go full DeMar Hamlin on the field. They're going to avoid that. No everything they got. take that. So. Um, wish you the best. Wish you. Yeah. KJ Please, KJ, get well. But I pray this was not related to anything that t- definitely did not happen. In the last three years. In 2020. Right, in 2020. Um, Good news, though. Now, Bengals linebacker Logan Wilson has been signed to a long-term deal, a four-year $37.25 million That's a a good team-friendly deal. That is a good deal for a great young linebacker. And he literally said, he was on record saying that he hoped that him taking this deal would allow them to keep T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. Yeah. And, like, sign them. And that's the thing. We're all waiting to see what Burrow's contract will be. I'm waiting. To, I'm waiting more to see if they sign T. Higgins. That's yeah. what I, I'm. I'm more concerned about because I know they're going to keep Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins is a question mark. Right. You pay T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase. You don't have money mm-hmm. left. They already signed Orlando Brown Jr. They signed Sam like, Hubbard. They signed Trey Hendrickson. Yeah. What What are you going to do? Like, where's the Where are you getting all this money from, guys? Right. Um. They had. That's why they had to get rid of Jesse Bates to Atlanta. Like they, they eventually someone's gonna when you when you squeeze the nobility the peasants will feel the pinch so who's gonna get cut that'll be the mystery the Vikings have signed Nikhil Harry to bolster their <laughs> wide receiver depth not sure that's a bolstering yeah, well, yeah we should <laughs> shall see um, so now their wide receivers are JJ um, Justin Jordan Jeff- Addison Justin Justin Jefferson KJ Osborne Jordan Addison Jordan Addison rookie. and Nikhil Harry. And they also have Jalen Rager. And TJ Hawkinson. Was their tight end. Jalen Rager was drafted before Justin Jefferson. Yeah. The same year. Wasn't Rager drafted by the Eagles? Eagles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Gideon, let's get to... We're going to do an offensive lineman tier list, but NFL Network decided to put something out that was controversial. So they decided to do a top 100 players in the NFL. They do it every year. Yeah. And now they did it on NFL Plus, a new subscription yes. to pay money for. With <laughs> yes. oh. their own special microphones that have Plus. The same network that did that uh, Aaron Rodgers interview that we That's clipped right. last week. Um, so Gideon, tell us. Let, let's look at. Let me look at their. Let's look at their list. So why don't you read their their list to us? So ba- based on deduction, this is not in the order they have them, Ross. Yes. Because I didn't. I they they haven't released that yet. Or I didn't have it. Couldn't find it. Because um, remember that is a paid subscription, right? So it's not till probably like the next day that the free part part of what they said comes out. <laughs> um, no, in no order, you've got Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. Now, okay. here's something that I find interesting. This lines up perfectly with the top paid players in the NFL. Position-wise, okay? Right. So what we've got represented here is four quarterbacks, two wide receivers, a tight end, and three pass rushers. Guess the number one, the highest paid player plays what position? Quarterback. Okay. 
the next highest paid position. What do you think it is? Out of pass rusher and what was the other one you said? What were the other two you said? Pass rusher and wide receiver. Uh, I would go with pass rusher. Yep. Uh, that Aaron Donald Aaron at 31.7. Okay. And then Tyree Kill at 30 million. So it's like a perfect representation of your positional value. The NFL's top 10 is a perfect representation of the salary cap's positional value of how those players impact football. Right. Okay. I think that is unfair. Tell me why. Because I think there's other positions that do that haven't hit, got to where the point. Like the wide receivers just started to get paid like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine, I, I think this is this has too many one. This has too many quarterbacks mm-hmm. as the top ten. Now I get the quarterbacks the most important, but most important player. Um, but let me tell. Can I share you with my top ten? Please tell me. And I'm going to share you them in order. And I might for a couple of them, I'll give some explanation for. People might not know. Well, why is that in your top ten? Okay. Mm-hmm. Number ten. Sauce Gardner. Good choice. Okay. Cornerback. Yeah. Defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. All pro first team in his rookie season at corner. Going up against Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs twice in his rookie season. He had this is we talked about Darrell Revis earlier. He had only two interceptions, but led the league in pass deflections and um, like yards, like yards allowed per game. Yeah, yeah. This kid, he's insane. Is so good. Yeah, and he plays in a division where the wide receivers are great. Are great. Yeah. One of which is on the NFL's top ten. Yeah. Other of which is in the top twenty mm-hmm. in Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. So, this kid is really really good and he's really really young okay he will be if he stays on track a hall of famer Mm -hmm. number nine and he was by the way i'm going to list the guys that are on my top 10 that aren't in the nfl's top 10 i'm going to list where they're at in the nfl's top 100 sauce gardner was number 23 okay here's my biggest jump is my number nine tell me guy we talked about last week who has eight all pro selections didn't make this list zach martin Number 68 on the NFL's list. That's egregious. Eight all pros. You can't find a single player in the NFL right now that has that many. And he's not on. He plays on the offensive line. He protects the quarterback. Yeah, it's because he's in the not attractive position. I don't get. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying is like, it's not pretty. It's not flashy. There's there's not a bunch of stats, right? Mm -hmm. But he's amazing. Mm -hmm. And he's a top 10 NFL player. Right. Okay. Number eight, our guy. Chiefs represent 30% of this list. That's what I love. Chris Jones. Yes. Best defensive ta- interior defensive tackle, in- interior defensive lineman in the NFL because Aaron Donald's on the decline. Resign him, please. 15 and a half sacks last year. In defensive player of the year, vote. Stud. Certified stud. Worthy of this list. Number seven, last year's. Defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. Bosa's awesome. Absolute stud. Yeah. Super young. Yeah. Super beast. He did win defensive player, right? Not TJ Watt. TJ Watt was the year four. Yeah. Nick Bosa was this year. Yeah. Plays for the 49ers. Absolute stud. Ohio State kid. 
just beast. Football family. Yeah. His brother's a defensive, a great pass rusher as well for the Chargers. Yeah. They'll play the same position. (laughs) Number six, another Chief. Travis Kelsey. That's six. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Tight end. He's great. Mm -hmm. Number one weapon on the Chiefs. Okay. I love Travis Kelsey. But if we're going to be honest, he's not a great blocker. Mm -hmm. Should be half his job. He's not the best at it. Okay. I guess he's a great, he is a great pass catcher, right? Yeah. If if Gronk was still in the league, I think Gronk would be ahead of him here because Gronk was an excellent pass, uh, excellent blocker, and pass catcher. Right. Okay. Right. Number five, an ex-chief, Tyreek Tyree Hill. Hill. <laughs> he's just—I mean, the cheetah is just—he's a Hall of Famer, man. Right. Just stud, best wide receiver to ever play for the Chiefs. Um, number four, he's high on my list, super high on my list, Trent Williams. The fact that Trent Williams is not in the NFL's top 10 players in the NFL. I couldn't believe this. Is the silliest thing about their top 10. Yeah. The absolute, absolute silliest. I could see Zach Martin not being 10. He should definitely be top 15. Yeah. But the fact that Trent Williams, the best tackle, the most important position on the offensive line that protects the most important player. Let me share with you. He was number 14. Okay. So he was close. Yeah. But he should be. He's my four. Yeah. Let me share with you some stats on Trent Williams. Please tell me. Guess how many sacks he's allowed in the last two years. In the last two years? I'd say none. Zero. That's like Lane Johnson numbers. Except the side where the best pass rusher rushes is always against the left tackle. Right. Unless you're going up against... Micah Parsons is on the NFL's top ten list. Right. Trent Williams made Micah Parsons look like... Average. Bad. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. That's including the postseason, by the way. They've made the postseason in the last two years, yeah. Ross. Yeah. He's had a total over the that 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 those two seasons of eleven penalties. Oh my god. <laughs> eleven. And that's for a heavy run team where holding penalties are called all the time. Yeah, that's holding and false start. Yeah, that's just, that's outrageous. A combination of eleven over thirty two plus games. That's that's crazy. That's, there's some guys who get 11 in five games. Yeah. Yeah. He is, and he's old. He's like 35. Yeah. He's an absolute stud. Don't know why he was not on the NFL's top 10 list. Egregious, yeah. in my opinion. Number yeah. three, my guy, the best wide receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson. Justin. Fitting to be the highest paid wide receiver yes. in the NFL. Deservedly so. Mr. Gritty. Yep. JJ, best wide receiver in NFL history through his first three seasons. He has inspired my son to gritty any chance that he can. <laughs> Rightfully. Yes. <laughs> number two, who do you think my number two is? Um, Number two, I would say you have as Burrow. That's correct. Yeah. The last two are the most important position. Yeah. Joe Burrow. The only other quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes that's worthy of being on the NFL's top 10 list. Mm-hmm. And he's worthy of being number two. He is Joe Cool. He's Peyton Manning 2.0. I know 2.0 does not mean the better version. Right. It just means the newer version. The newer version. Yeah. Processes the game like nobody else. And then, of course, number one, the greatest player alive. Mm-hmm. The greatest football talent to possibly ever exist. touch the football field. And he plays 
for the Kingdom City local, <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Patrick Mahomes is number one. Of course. Now, the one I, I was looking over this list, Gideon. The actual list. Yeah, tell me what, what do you think of their list, and then what do you think? So, first of all, yes, Trent Williams, he was in going to be in my top ten as well. Jalen Hurts has one good season, and he's the third best player in the NFL. Joke. That's not possible. It's a joke. Like, we can't be doing this. And if you look at their strength of schedule. Right. Like, he played nobodies. Yeah. It, w- the way they played against top-tier quarterbacks is, like, the, the a good measure of your team. Mm-hmm. Good quarterbacks towards odds of Eagles team. falling off of NFC that win like of winning the NFC East are I would say pretty good. Yeah, that, I mean that division is crazy good. But anyway, so yeah, I'm gonna I would pick the Cowboys to win mm-hmm. the division. Mm-hmm. I I love the Sauce Gardner pick. I'm glad you did not put Aaron Donald in the top ten because he didn't have a good year last no. year, and, and he's old and, and aging old. and right. He's he's flirted with retirement so. Um. One that I was surprised did not make it in the top 10, especially considering he led the league despite playing for a bad team. Devontae Adams. That's fair. That's a fair critique. But let me ask you this. You're surprised it didn't make my list or the NFL's list or both? Both. Okay. If you're going to put this, because this is is the question. Right. If you're going to put him in, then who goes out? Who's worthy of not being on the list when I have three pass catchers? Yeah. Two of which are wide receivers. Both wide receivers, I think, did better. Mm-hmm. So, because and, I'm, and this is my bias because of how easily the Chiefs dealt with Nick Bosa when they played against him. I think the Chiefs had a much harder time against Devontae Adams than they did against Nick Bosa. So I saw Devontae as a much bigger or much bigger problem. For the Chiefs specifically, the Chiefs have a top yeah. three offensive line in the yes. league. That's true. They don't have a top three secondary. Yeah, league. that's true. Yep, yep. Um, T.J. Watt, um, I know wouldn't be on there because he had a lackluster year last year, but he was yeah, also hurt. hurt. Yeah. Um, he would be right up there flirting with it, though. Yeah, really. So from their actual list, um, Micah I, Parsons. Micah Parsons is irreplaceable. You can't take him off the list. You do, you think so? No, I don't think you can take him off the top ten. Oh well, my bad. I did. I just don't think he's... Your argument for Jalen Hurts is my argument for Micah Parsons. Mm. Come on, bro. I need more than just one excellent season. I get he can do both at a high level. That would be the argument. He can rush the passer at a high level, mm-hmm. and he can drop back in coverage in a high level. Yeah. But if I'm going to look... If I'm going to really break get into the statistics, if you just let Micah Parsons rush the passer and go get 20 sacks... Yeah. In the season, then I'm like, okay, bam. Mm-hmm. He's the elite pass rusher, right? What's not on here? An interior linebacker is not on this list because the positional value isn't mm-hmm. amazingly great. So yeah. stop dropping Micah Parsons back and let him rush the passer yeah, that's fair. where his positional value increases, and he, he'd probably make this list, right? Yeah. So here is one thing I wanted your opinion on. The NFL, the NFL Network's list, the running backs cry about – or not cry, but the running backs say they, they're not getting compensated mm-hmm. fairly and their contracts are now. But then Josh Jacobs is the 12th-ranked player in the NFL. League's leading rusher. He is ranked ahead of Devontae Adams, uh, his teammate on the NFL. He's ranked ahead of Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Stephon Diggs, George Kittle, 
He's ranked ahead. He's ranked ahead of Miles Garrett. Yeah, Miles Garrett. Actually, I w- let me rephrase this. I, w- I might put Miles Garrett on ahead of Micah Parsons. Miles Garrett plays on a, cr- a pretty crummy team where he has no other help on the defensive line, really, at times. And he still gets the numbers. Miles Garrett is a freak of nature yeah. in the NFL. Um, you did not have Josh Allen on your list, right? Nope. Okay, I don't either. He's too inconsistent for me. Um, He's on the decline. This is the list. To me, this is the list of, based on what you've done, what am I gonna? What should I sus- expect this year? Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, if I was making a top ten, real quick, I would do it. Miles um, Garrett at ten. I would do. Miles um, Garrett at ten. Chris Jones at nine. Tyreek Hill at seven. At eight. At eight, yes. Tyreek Hill at eight. Um, we'll do Nick Bosa at seven. We'll do Kelsey at six. It gets hard. It does get hard. Um, Trent Williams at five. So you got him high too. Um, oh yeah, I had him. I, yeah, I had him up there. Um, I would do maybe Jason Kelsey at four. Wow, a center. Okay. Um, wow. Because I feel like he's the he's the linchpin of that line. Wow. And then I would go. Um, I need three still. Uh, Justin Jefferson at two. I like still. at three. I, no, at two I would like. I would keep him. I don't know my three yet, but Mahomes at one. Jefferson it's gotta be Joe Burrow. You're telling me Joe Burrow's Joe not Burrow in the top ten? Three. Joe Burrow. Okay. At three. I'm like, you're gonna tell me Joe no, Burrow's no, not no, the top ten? No, 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 no. I would have him at three. You got JJ number two. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson's, cl- oh. like his, the way he play, he he plays great when the game is most on the line. His clutch. It's just, it's like that catch Factor. he made on fourth and eighteen in Buffalo. It is. Yeah. In terms of degree of difficulty of the catch. Yeah. It has got to be, and like the the impact on the game. Yeah, not necessarily, obviously the the uh, Franco Harris catch meant a lot because they went on oh, yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah, the immaculate reception. Yeah, but it wasn't a crazy talent thing. It just fell into his lap. Right, right. Like the degree of difficulty doing something that no one else has done. That's up there with Odell's catch. Right, like those two, and then. Come, what comes to mind the greatest catches that I've seen Odell's catch that made him famous yeah that J- Justin Jefferson catch Julian Edelman's catch mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl which was better than the one that you just mentioned which is the I always call it the bubblegum catch because it looked like there's the dude like he stuck the football on a piece of bubblegum on his the head famous just, David Tyree helmet catch helmet catch which was also in the Super Bowl right I think Julian Edelman's was was a better catch Insane. in yeah. in the Super Bowl. Same, yeah. Not this, the not the same game, but the Super Bowl being right. in the same game. Right. Um, yeah. The Julian Edelman catch to me is the greatest catch ever. Yeah. Like that catch for what it meant, the degree of difficulty. I was like, and when it happened, I was like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He scooped that off of the ground. Right. So there is our NFL top ten 
to complement the NFL's list, and our list is definitely the better ones. For sure. Um, I'm interested to hear my friend, Mr. John Wharton. I'm interested to see his text yes. about how my list was because he, when I did my quarterback tears, he sent me, he sent me a text and said, I have, I have a problem with you. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, what? He's like, your quarterback tears are garbage. I was like, <laughs> or no, sorry, your pass. This is my pass catching tears. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, my pass catching tears. He's like, your pass catching tears are garbage. I was like, how so? And all he says is, um, well, he he mentioned two, two teams, and they were in the lower tiers. And he was like, he felt like his Cowboys. He's a big Cowboys fan. Oh, should have been sorry. higher. And then one team should have been lower. I was like, so all of my tiers were garbage, and I got two teams wrong, yes. and they were the lower teams. He's like. Okay, maybe garbage is a little harsh. <laughs> Everyone has a character flaw, Gideon, and Cowboys fans are it's one of them for Cowboys fans. So, yes. <laughs> that was Ross, John, not me. Yes, I own it. Um, as, as my dad was a Cowboys fan, I have experience with this. Okay, that's it for our NFL coverage. Let's move on to baseball. Um, the Braves, Gideon, they are the first team to win 70 games this season. They're a good team, man. They are the probably the... They're, They're the, the best, best team, team in baseball. baseball. Yeah. Uh, but that was not the biggest news of this baseball week because <laughs> there was a game played between Chicago White Sox, who are helpless this <laughs> season. And we're going to learn more about Royals. not Well, but we're going to learn more about our dear White Sox because they got there. There was an altercation. A fight broke out between the Cleveland Guardians and Chicago White Sox. Division rivals. Division rivals in Cleveland. And this was a. You guys got to go watch this clip. Hilarious <laughs> fight with a Hall of Fame commentary <laughs> on the fight. Let's play. Let's play the clip. You guys enjoy this. Here it comes. A swing and a smash to first by the diving Vaughn down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. It's a 5-1 to one Chicago lead, but everybody from the dugouts and the bullpens congregated around second base. That is a fantastic call there. Oh, my gosh. Down goes Anderson. <laughs> and down goes it's Anderson. Um, down goes Anderson. So reminiscent of the famous down goes Frazier call in the Muhammad <laughs> Ali fight. But man, this was awesome. The fight was like I said, great call, but man, there was some poor technique in these fights, man. Jose Ramirez. Oh, dude, this is Jose Ramirez knocked Tim Anderson the heck out, <laughs> just dropped him. Yeah, but in a very not coordinated and not planned way. No. Jose Ramirez got so lucky. I, I kid you not, Ross. I call, my dad has from from a time that us boys were young taught us how to properly engage in a street fight and yeah. what we needed to do 
if that time ever came. Yeah. He'd been in many street fights in his yeah. life. Your dad was and, a dude. And ta- is a dude. <laughs> and has taught, had taught us boys what we needed to do. Um, and so I called him today and I said, Dad, you got to watch this clip. <laughs> I talked to him for 45 minutes. I was like, this is so funny. Like everything that you taught me, they did not do. And I'm like, this is why I now know why my dad taught me. For example, so <laughs> the first thing you noticed, Ross, which you pointed out to me when I got here and we talked about it, yeah. Tim Anderson is right-handed. Yes. He chucks his glove off and then, well, he tries to square up with Jose Ramirez, but he's like yeah. leaning forward, basically at like such a weird stance, asking for him to punch him in the face. And he stands like a southpaw. Yeah. He stands right hand forward, power <laughs> hand forward, left hand back. <laughs> And you can tell that he feels uncomfortable. Yeah. You you yeah. can see mm-hmm. that he's probably never been in a fight in his life, and he was really angry and lashing out in anger, mm-hmm. not controlling his emotions, and suddenly his body's reacting. Yeah. He's not thinking. And he you could tell he feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and he kind of hesitates for a second, and then he sw- makes the first swing at Jose Ramirez, and it's obviously his right hand because yeah. it's his dominant hand and he's so he's like power power <laughs> he's trying to get power behind it but he obviously his body mechanics doesn't work it'd be like trying to throw a baseball yeah with your right foot forward and then trying to throw a baseball really hard the right. body mechanics just don't work right and so it looks real funny he tries to power jab power jab and he's taller than Jose Ramirez. Right? And Jose Ramirez does exactly what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. First of all, Tim Anderson squares up with him. Yeah. So when someone squares up with you and you at, le- you're, you at least get the acknowledgement that it's time to fight, Yeah. first thing you should do, in case you, you're listening you don't know this, you should set your feet, look them dead in the eyes, yeah. and, and get ready for whatever's coming. Yeah. You should always fear your opponent because you never know what... My, the guy that taught my dad to box was a golden glove boxer. Yeah. And he said, he always told my dad, you fear every opponent because you never know what a grown man will do when he gets punched in the face. Yeah. Some men will whine and cry and, oh, that hurt. Mm -hmm. Some men will rage and some men will just be absolutely unaffected and keep coming forward. Right. So you just need to, you never know. Yeah. No matter their size, always be afraid of them, right? Now, really quick, before this started, (laughs) the umpire over second base it went like full UFC. He basically touched both their hands and like stuck back. And said, All right, get it on. <laughs> Which, good job. Well, yeah. Let it happen, baby. Let this is, do it. Yeah, this is good old baseball brawl. Right. Um, and so this is definitely not the Nolan Ryan Rob fight Ventura. where he, Nolan Ryan just says, come on, boy. Nolan Ryan, go watch that fight. Nolan Ryan does exactly what he should do. S- sets his feet, says, come on. Dodges, dodges first punch, headlock. Boom, 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 Come boom. Here, sport. Yeah, that's exactly how, how that, how, uh, you, Nolan Ryan's been in a fist fight in his life. You can tell. Tim Anderson, not so much. Jose Ramirez, not so much. So Jose Ramirez, instead of setting his feet and getting ready and looking his opponent in the eye. Now, it's difficult when someone's swinging, when you're in combat. And so your first reaction when someone throws a punch at you is, to, what, what would you think it is, Ross? Someone's throwing a punch at you, what's your first reaction going to be? Uh, block, sidestep it, block. Normally, your Keep first reaction is going to be to, to, to duck your head in some way, to move your head, to cover, to avoid them from punching your face. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to sidestep it. Yeah. Right. What you should do is keep, you need to keep your eyes on your opponent. Yeah. Use other things to deflect the punch. Mm-hmm. And, and you can determine 
if you can allow that punch to come through. Because yeah. sometimes you might just say, yeah, that's weak sauce. I'm going to let that hit me so I can blast you in the face. And right? if they don't bring their hand back quickly enough, counterattack right so, where they're exposed. So um, Jose Ramirez immediately basically bends, bends over and is trying to avoid the punches by, you know, the best technique to which is close your eyes and look the other way. <laughs> And not see where the punches are coming and hope for the best. And Tim Anderson's trying to punch him, punch him, punch him while Jose Ramirez heads down. And Jose Ramirez does the classic, if you've ever seen the fight, um, Rashawn Evans versus Chuck Liddell. Um, <laughs> close eyes, head down, haymaker above my head punch. And Tim Anderson made the critical mistake of fighting with his mouth open. Yeah, It didn't clench your jaw. I mean, if you ever get in a fight, first thing you should do, mm-hmm. clench it. If you think a fight's coming. Yeah. Clench your, bite your teeth down. Clench your jaw. Yep. If, someone punch, if someone punches you in the jaw, if your jaw's not locked and your bottom jaw mm-hmm. moves, it's a you're going to go to sleep yep. like that. And so he's got kind of like his lips rolled over. You can see in the video. Mm-hmm. He's got his lips rolled over, yep. and he's kind of like mm, like feeling like he's the man. Uh, uh. And Jose Ramirez just hits him right on his bottom jaw, and Tim Anderson does exactly what I just said. Goes to sleep. And that's the call. Night, night. Tim Anderson goes <laughs> now. And, uh, and Jose Ramirez didn't even, he didn't punch him. He bludgeoned him. He clubbed him. He clubbed him with like the, like his wrist. His closed palm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he got just a lucky shot on Tim Anderson and Tim Anderson went down. Now, if you're, if you're Jose Ramirez, you feel like the king of the world. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're the champ, bro. You just knocked him out. He was like, on top of the world, like, yeah, man, I'm I'm a I'm a bump. But if you watch it, he got so lucky, dude. He's got his head down in, in between his legs and it's like ah! lands a haymaker. It was uh you have to go watch it. Everyone now, needs to go watch it. Now, if you want to see proper punch form, look up the hit by Runet Odor on Jose Bautista <laughs> in the playoff game between the Rangers and the Blue Jays. That's a punch. <laughs> That's the quintessential punch. I'm not sure I've seen that one. It's uh, it's a good one. But the Nolan Ryan one, that's great. Yeah. Guy's running at him, and he just sets his feet, and is like, come on. Yes. Come on, old boy. <laughs> Dodge punch, headlock, and destroy your face. The the With the, the UFC-worthy call just made it so good. I want this guy calling our yeah. next boxing match. <laughs> He would wait his whole life for that moment, man. <laughs> what a great color commentator on a fight. I love it. Well, let's get into the weekend series here, Gideon, because we're getting into the, the like every game matters yeah. for a lot of these teams now. We had some big series. So let's go these through these wild card races are getting close. Let's go through everything that happened here and then uh go around the horn. Yeah. So the Guardians dropped two of their three games to the hapless White Sox despite this fight. The White Sox, or they fell, the Guardians fell four and a half games behind the surging Twins, who have now won four in a row. The Astros took two out of four in New York against the Bronx Bombers. They sit two and a half games behind the Rangers and hold control of a wildcard spot. But the Astros are hoping to gain ground again now that Justin Verlander has been added back to their pitching staff from the Mets to bolt to add to their ace, Framber Valdez. The Royals, our guys, have a seven-game win, had a seven-game win streak, but it was brought to a screeching halt in Philadelphia as the Phillies have taken two out of three. The Phillies are currently holding on to a wildcard spot while trying to keep the Braves in their sights. Remember, the Phillies started the season 5-15, and 15, and now they're up to 61-50. and 50. The Orioles are the second team to reach 70 wins this season, and they utilize this weekend by hosting the Mets and breaking out the brooms in a three-game sweep. 
they lead the AL East by four games. The Blue Jays swept division rival Boston at Fenway Park, and they are currently holding the final AL wildcard spot by two and a half games over the Mariners. The Rays took two of three from the Tigers in Detroit and sit three games back from the Orioles. Tampa Bay leads the wildcard standings. Now the bloom is falling off the Cincinnati flower as the Reds have now lost six in a row, getting swept by the Nationals of all teams and losing three out of four to the Red Hot Cubs. The Reds are currently tied, though, for the last wildcard spot in the National League. The Minnesota Twins have completed a series sweep of the Diamondbacks, taking three out of three in Minnesota. They lead the AL Central by four and a half games. The Brewers split two out of four against the Pirates in Milwaukee. They still lead the NL Central by one and a half games, but that gap is closing fast. The Rockies won this week's Ah Who Cares series, beating the Cardinals two out of three times in St. Louis. The Cubs, remember these Cubs, I told people they're going to hang around. The Cubs welcome the juggernaut, that is the Atlanta Braves, into the friendly confines this weekend for a three-game series in Gideon. The Cubs defended the Ivy, taking two out of three from the Braves. The Cubs are one and a half games behind the Brewers and tied for the final wildcard slot in the NL. The Cubs are surging. at the So they're tied with the Reds. Yeah, the Cubs are surging and they're tied for the with the Reds for the wildcard spot. The Rangers have now won six in a row and recorded back-to-back sweeps of the White Sox and the Marlins. They have since opened up a two-and-a-half game lead on the Astros in the AL West. And they made those big moves at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. so that's paying off for them. Yep. The early season popular dark horse playoff pick for many, the Seattle Mariners, they have now won five in a row and swept a four-game series against Shohei Otani and the Angels mm. of Los Angeles. The Mariners are six games behind Texas and two and a half games back in the wild card. The Angels, meanwhile, have now fallen below 500 yet again after a six-game losing streak. They are fourth in the AL West. The Giants and were swept in Oakland in a short two-game series. They are four games behind the Dodgers and lead the NL wildcard standings. And lastly, Gideon, the Dodgers have won four out of five games and play game four of their series against the Padres Monday night in San Diego. They lead the series two to three, two out of two out of three games won. Those are your baseball highlights, Gideon. We are nearing, we're getting close. This is every game matters. Almost to the final stretch. Yep. Every game Post matters. All-star game. The, uh, the well, I, I'm September will really be where it really heats up. Yes, that's where the rubber is going to meet the road. I'm telling you, I said a few weeks ago, the Cubs will be in it. The Cubs will be in it, we'll see. and they, their, their GM, they had the chance to trade away Cody Bellinger. They had the trans, chance to get rid of Justin Steele. They held their ground. They're going to compete, and here they are now tied for the wild. All you do, got to do, is get in the turning. Yep. And we'll Just see what happens. In. It's zero zero. Yep. Yep. Gideon, let's get to some quick hits. Yeah, let's do it. And then uh, we will end this episode. Take us away, Gideon. So Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers signs a very lucrative three-year. Extensions worth $189.9 million. Yes, you heard that. $189 million over only three years. That's a massive to amount go of money. To that $60 million a year, a little over $60 million a year like Jalen Brown hit. So they're still in win now That's mode. That's completely guaranteed. Yeah, this basically solidifies you're going to be, you're our guy, mm-hmm. right? He's kind of acted like the number two, yeah. playing second fiddle to LeBron, and he seems like that seems like a good fit for him. We know LeBron's probably not going to be there after this year. Um, when he goes to whatever team drafts Bronny. Yep. Um, and so 
this is good. So he's got two more years left on this deal, on his deal, and then he, this extension extends him out for. So he's there a total of the next five years is when he's he's locked up. Right. Um, so good for Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. It's good for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he finishes out that whole contract, he'll have played nine years for the Lakers, eight years for the Pelicans. So he'll be a Laker. Yeah. Stay healthy. <clears throat> Just stay healthy. That's the big thing. Sixty million dollars for a guy who gives you maybe sixty percent of your games. Yeah. Is that really worth it? You know. Time will tell. We'll see. Um, but they've got a good team, and they they made some really they had a really good offseason. So the Lakers set themselves up for a good run in the West again this year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Take this one, Ross. The Pittsburgh Penguins have made a massive trade for Sharks star defenseman Eric Carlson in a three-way trade that involved the Penguins, the Sharks, and the Canadiens. Carlson goes to Pittsburgh fresh off winning the Norris Trophy, which is the trophy given to the top defenseman in the NHL. That's his third, by the way. Mm. And is the first Norris Trophy winner to be traded in the season following he that he won it since Doug Harvey in 1961. Wow. He is also the first defenseman to record 100 points in a season since Brian Leach in 1991-92. So he's a stud. He is a stud. Now, the problem is he's 33. Hmm. Pittsburgh was the oldest team in the NHL last season, and now they added more guys that are over the age of 30 to their <laughs> roster. So the problem was their age already, and now they got and they didn't older. even make the playoffs, did they? No, they, they they missed out on the last day to the Florida Panthers. Who uh, went all the way to <laughs> the Eastern Conference Final. The Penguins famously lost at home to the lottery pick winner Chicago Blackhawks nice. on the final day of the regular season, and because they lost, the Panthers made it in. Gosh. So... Defenseman and enforcer Matt Dumba, famous for leveling Joe Pavelski in round one of the last season's NHL playoffs, has been signed to a one-year deal through the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think this is a big needle mover for them, though. (laughs) Um, But we'll see. Nothing much moves the needle in Arizona right now. Lastly, for hockey highlights, the Washington Capitals have signed Tom Wilson, stud, to a seven-year, $45.5 million extension. The right winger is now set to be a capital for life and most likely take over the captaincy when Ovechkin retires in a few years. Ovechkin, by the way, is 72 goals away from breaking Gretzky's all-time goal-scoring record. And what's how many goals has he averaged a season in his career? He, At this age, he will probably get about 25 to 30 a season. Ooh, so he's got to play for... Mm-hmm. He'll do it. At least three more years. I'm pretty sure he'll do you it. You think so? You I'm think he's going to beat Gretzky's I'm record? I'm pretty sure he'll do it. How old is he? Isn't he like 36 or something? Gret- uh, Ovechkin, he's probably, I think he's like 37. You don't think, how old was Gretzky when he retired? He was old, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, let me check Ovechkin real quick. Um, Ovechkin is 37. Yep, he turns 38 on uh, September 17th. Wow. And then. Um, At the start of the hockey season. Yes. Gretzky retired at the age of 38. Wow. So That'd be awesome if he did it. That's a big record to beat. This is a record I thought was unbreakable. Yeah, most people did. Yeah. It's kind of like the Kareem record, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The, our last quick hit of the night. Yes. Switching over to something we rarely talk about, mm-hmm. but I love to talk about. Mm-hmm. Boxing. Yes. Undefeated three-division champion Terrence Bud Crawford emphatically stamped his place in the history books with a ninth-round TKO over the previously unbeaten Errol Truth Spence Jr. to become the first undisputed welterweight champion of the four-belt era. He is now, get this, 40-0 and with 31 knockouts. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, like, 
he did and he's not... done this over three divisions. Now, I, I heard about this fight. Like, Crawford was almost toying with Spence Jr. He won all but the first right. round on the scorecard. And so, like, this wasn't some bum that Crawford was fighting against. No, Crawford faced the, the, the champ in that right. division who was also undefeated. And he made it look easy. He knocked him down multiple times and then got the TKO in the ninth. This this he manhandled him. Yeah, this was this was an awesome. This is impressive. Yeah, I need to look up the highlights for this because I've only heard about it, but I yeah. need to actually watch how how um, decisive Crawford won in this. Awesome. As a little dude, I say little, but he's my height. Right. That you don't want to mess with. Right. I mean, he you, he's he's the undisputed champ of the four belt era. Like, yeah. Crazy. 40 and 0, 31 knockouts. 30 for a little guy. This dude's 5'8, a buck yeah. 45. Yeah. And he's got 31 knockouts. That's really impressive. Maybe Jake Paul will actually fight him. <laughs> but no, he only fights 40 year old washed up MMA oh, fighters. Hey, he beat Nate Diaz. He did beat Nate Diaz, who was 38. And, <laughs> and their fight made almost as much money as this fight did. It did. I mean, say what you will about Jake Paul. He's a brilliant businessman. Yep. And, he knows uh, how to promote his own fights. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <sighs> but speaking of promotion, you can follow us on <laughs> social media at Kingdom City KC on Twitter and find us on our Facebook page as well. Please let us know if there's anything you want to hear. Answer the polls that we have usually at the end of these episodes. Gideon, this was a good episode. Yep, it was. If you don't listen on Spotify, go to Spotify to at least do the poll. Yeah, go, to the, <laughs> go do the poll. You can Again, you can find us anywhere you have podcast but that is our time for today as always take what you've learned into your city and change your city for the kingdom i'm ross that's gideon peace deuces